This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me tonight is my co-host, Hans, and we have a very special guest this evening that we're going to be inviting onto the show, Chris Stuckman. Are you ready to be Stuckmanized, Hans? Yeah, Yeah. I'm ready to get stuck, man. Ooh, okay. Um, so I don't know what to expect with this exactly. I'll, I'll let you guys in on the situation. A while back, I had posted a meme of uh, that kind of made fun of Chris Stuckman's thumbnails because he does a reaction face and he does like the poster or screen cap from the movie in that. And I did one for the, the great war film, Come and See. I believe it was released in 1986. I could be wrong about that. It was recently released to the Criterion Collection. Great Soviet-era war film from uh, Belarus. I had posted Chris Stuckman's face <laughs> with an image of Fleora, the boy at the center of it, after he's just been totally uh, traumatized by the events wait, of World wait, War II. Wait. But you have to mention which face you posted, though. So it kind of looks like it's kind of it's Stuckman doing like the scream mask, you know, that kind of mouth, just the oh, just like long. he's. Long, long O face. Oh, yeah. 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 So I did that and I put that on Twitter. And somebody like Justin Wang or, or one of the big people that follow me decided to retweet that. And uh, the result was uh, like, I, oh, like thousands of people, hundreds of people wound up retweeting that and seeing that. And it led to a conversation between Chris Stuckman and myself today. And me. And now you, huh? So now, and now, and now you will be incorporated into that. Nobody gets out alive. And uh, Chris volunteered to come on the podcast and and have a dialogue with myself. So that's what we're going to be doing, and hopefully talking, you know, movies. That's what the show is. You know. Yeah. Are you excited? Are you are you hyped for this? Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I I'm. So familiar with his work, and I'm a huge fan. So I, I'm hoping that this will be good. Not familiar with he, him at all. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the the least online person from from our entire group. So every time they mention a YouTuber or like an online person from like ten years ago or whatever, I'm always confused as to who they are. And this is this was one of them. I, I uh, I'm joining the conversation because I I'm interested as to what he has to say, but I'm not very familiar with him at all. Well, he's he's one of the foremost movie critics on YouTube. He's one of the I would say he's one of the top three. He's definitely got he might have the lead as far as subscribers go. I'm pretty sure he's bigger than Red Letter Media. I think he's up there with like the angry video game nerd as far as that goes. Might be worth taking a look. I don't know, but we have him waiting to join the conversation. So. Without further ado, let's get Chris Stuckman on. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. Uh, I've just been, honestly, trying to find ways to keep busy during this lockdown. Um, I'm not sure where you guys are located, but in Ohio, it's kind of shitty right now. Um, people are very dumb in Ohio. <laughs> my my co-host here, he's he's living in the third world, yeah. actually. I'm uh, I'm in Costa Rica and we have a shutdown at 5 p.m. So you're not even allowed to be on the street after 5 p.m. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. it's 
pretty great. <laughs> yeah, we started a curfew here too, but it's uh, currently it's only um, applicable to like bars and stuff. Like you can't be in like a bar past like ten o'clock now. And but uh, if if it keeps going the way it's going, I'll probably be right there with you with that curfew too, because Ohio is not looking good. So basically, yeah, we're doing okay, but it's just trying to keep busy without a lot to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. I'm very familiar with that. I'm in New York. Oh yeah, in New York. New York got it really terrible, and uh, it seems like things are just starting to get back to normal now. Where I think they've dropped most of the curfews, so you can you can be out and about after a certain hour. I don't know if that's a very good idea, but <laughs> it's not normal. Why? <laughs> just because the city needs it? It's exactly that. Um, so, Chris, you and I are, have only known each other now for a very brief period of time. <laughs> pr- approximately what, like? 12 hours, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I was not expecting when I woke up this morning is to uh, have a conversation with you going, which is really what, what led to this podcast. And I'll sure. I'll give you uh, props for willing to have a, a dialogue with, with me on my show in this kind of framework. I don't think a lot of people would do that. Well, of course. I, I, I don't really... Um, I know that the perception... When when someone and you know, I, I don't know, there's a there's a perception given to someone who has some form of success or numbers or followers or whatever bullshit. Um, but I've just never really, I I just don't really give a lot of credence to that. I, I don't really consider that to make someone any different really than anyone else. And so I like I get asked to go on podcasts all the time and. I've gone on like two in the past, like two years. I just, I don't know. I, I, I I have no problem talking to you guys. Like it's not even, it's not strange to me. I know it might seem strange to you, but the way I view it is we all love film. We all want to be part of the film industry in some way. We all want to be engaged in film. and, And I just, I don't really see any point in drawing lines in the sand. And I know that some people do and, I don't know. It's my speech. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what prompted this whole dialogue is uh, I I had posted something that kind of stuck in your craw a little bit. Well, basically, I I see everything that's ever, ever. I've seen everything, man. Uh, In a couple of days, it'll be my 11th year on this website. And, you know, back when like, in 2009 when youtube was like e-bombs world videos and stuff it wasn't anything like it is today i mean i've had i've read or seen every legitimately actually offensive thing that could ever be said to a person i've had things sent to my house had things sent to my wife (laughs) i've had things sent to my friends and family so no nothing that you posted offended me it was just like huh this guy seems to have like a, a thing, a thing for me going on right now. So, um, you know, usually when I see like one thing from somebody, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a thing. But then it was like, we're going live. And it was like a picture of my face was altered in some way. Face swapped. I don't know. Oh. Um, <laughs> and then there was like another one of that. And I was like, okay, yeah, now, now it's become I mean, a pattern. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm a violent stalker, Chris. I don't know if you know that. I have pictures of you Good. all around my apartment. No, no. 
I mean, what it comes down to is, I mean, you're not the first YouTuber that I've made jokes about. We had uh, we had a little skirmish in the past with Adam from Your Movie Sucks, who I, I have real problems with that guy. But you're, I mean, you from my perspective, well, I've, I've another met, show. I've actually met Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I met him at a film festival. We hung out for a while. We saw a movie together. He's like a legitimately great guy. Um, I, I got nothing but good things to say about him. Well, I, I have nothing personal with Adam. It's more like I actually have something about Adam that I strongly dislike. I'll, I'll say that. Um, with you, you know, you're just kind of like a big internet personality. So it's easy to draw from that and utilize that in whatever creative context for humor. Sure. Now that was Hans's face that you saw. Yeah, that was, on that your, was me. <laughs> on your body. That's, that's why you look so Asian. It was my <laughs> face. <laughs> it's really funny that you would say that because um, literally last night I got an email um, from a, a student at Stanford University and they were working on this technology. This person's working on his master's degree and he's creating this technology that is designed to. Um, harness vocal patterns found in people's speech and basically create entire sentences from their voice. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's like the next level of deep fake, you know? And well, they had that Jordan Peterson one that came out uh, many months ago. Do you recall that? No, Did you ever see that? No, I didn't see that one, but it was startling. But he asked me, he was like, hey, like I'm and I, I went to this guy's website and he's like legitimately going to be a fucking genius, like a mathematical goddamn genius. And he like he's been going to school for like, I don't know, like fucking seven or eight years for this. And he's like, I have this technology perfected and I have this this I want to do this with your voice and I need to ask your permission. And I was like, well, sure. I mean, if it's just going to be like for your professors or whatever. And he's like, actually, no, I want to publish it. I want to make it live. I want to like show my research. And he showed me what he had done. And it was just like my voice, but saying things that I would never say. And it just made me extremely uncomfortable. And I told him, I was like, I was like, sir, like, I mean, I, I, I am flattered, but like, if it's just for your professors, sure. But if it's for the world, no, I don't want to be a case study in your new technology. So, and then like literally today, <laughs> see this shit, that shit, I'm like, I'm like what the fuck? <laughs> so, no, honestly, it really doesn't offend me. The, the entire reason I reached out was because, like, if I'm just going to be like completely real with you, I deal with a lot of social anxiety and I, I've dealt mm. with um, a lot of depression and anxiety from being known as someone who is a quote unquote public figure, you know, I never really, I don't think of myself that way when I wake up in the morning. So when I, uh, when I reached out to you, I was like, let's fucking try to build a bridge or whatever, you know, like it sounds corny, but like, I I don't see the point of, I, I, I watch people on YouTube and I think, eh, this channel's not for me, you know? And I, I walk away or whatever, but, and I understand that. I get that. I totally get that. I'm not saying you have to, to dig my channel or my content or I, I honestly am not, I just thought it'd be healthy to like talk and just talk about movies, talk about film and find like common ground or whatever. If it's, if it sounds cheesy, that's fine. It's cheesy. I don't care. That's just, well, I'm, I'm, I'm more curious, like what gave you the impression that 
just because I made a, a come and see thumbnail meme, uh, that that would mean that I have some kind of personal vendetta against your your channel. I don't think you have a personal vendetta against me. I just I thought I saw that and, I, and then I saw the, the face swapping and I was like, huh, this is becoming a pattern. OK, so I just figured so it, it was probably it like was that. more of a thing of like there's more than one that this guy made. So that's kind of weird kind of thing. Um, honestly, a little bit, but I mean, I'm used to it. Honestly, I, I really am used to it. I, I genuinely, I mean, like I have a whole segment called hilariosities where I fucking like, I, I watch my fanatic review. I fucking trashed that movie, John, John Travolta and Limp Biscuits movie. Like I get it. Oh, um, masterpiece. I could, it is a masterpiece. <laughs> I mean, when your movie's first line is, I can't talk too long. I got a poo, you know, you're in for something. Yes. Amazing. Um, but no, I just, I guess. I I try really hard to just be a I don't know a a figure that is a person that that people can feel like safe when they watch and feel you know happy and I don't know it's cheesy but I just wanted to talk I thought it would be healthy I thought it would be fun I honestly did I it's not like I'm just here to be like, hey, I'm cool. I, I, dude, I don't have like a brand. I don't even sell merchandise, man. Like, do you know how many people like ask me to like <laughs> to do those kinds of things? I just want to talk about movies with people. And, and I thought it would be cool to connect with you guys, honestly. Listen, um, the good thing about that is that we're, he's probably not going to do any of those about you anymore now. Put yourself in my shoes that I have tits on videos now. I'm Aquaman for whatever reason, and I'm you, and I can't tell him to stop because I'm friends with him. So <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> it could be much worse. <laughs> no, man. Like I said, I've had just just to give you one example. I had somebody a few years back send a message to my wife with reasons for why she should divorce me. It's like. I mean, it's fucking crazy, dude, the shit that I've that I've read. So like nothing you could do could ever surprise me or actually offend me. I just I was like, you know what? It might be healthy to just talk, honestly. I would say hmm. So I, I feel kind of mixed feelings about that because on one hand, there's part of that that to me registers as uh truth. But on the other hand, I feel like at the same time, it's almost trying to stifle any type of sense of humor that might be involved regarding you. But you have like a million subscribers on YouTube to make a point of singling out myself over a pretty, pretty benign meme. Um, I don't know. Something about it just feels a little off. Hmm. Can you understand why I might have that perspective? Yeah, man. I mean, if it, I can, uh, I think that the, it's very easy to think that there's some kind of agenda in everything that people do. Um, I didn't look at your uh, account today and, and think, Hmm, I better make sure this guy doesn't make a weird Photoshop of my thumbnail from the ring and morph it with a world war two movie. No, I didn't think that. I just thought, huh, I wonder why, I just wonder why. And honestly, if you want the 100% truthful answer, I was encouraged by someone who kind of I talked to about anxiety to just reach out to you. 
and he he said it might not be a bad idea and I said are you sure and it's kind of not something I usually do and I don't know I'm just trying it out um, I understand that it might seem strange and I understand that and that's fine I can't tell people how to feel uh, if if honestly I, I I must also remind you that I said that I have seen just about every funny and or mean thing that could be said about me for the past 11 years. And I very, very rarely ever reply. Right. Right. Like so that, that, that's ultimately what has me particularly curious about that. Is it just because I'm, I'm at, I mean, even though I operate under a pseudonym here, like my face is everywhere where I put my, my name or my company name or whatever it might be. Is it just because I put myself out there as a real person and not a meme? Or, a, I, or an icon. I, I definitely think that if you if your avatar was like you know a frog or something, yeah, or, or or like you know an anime character, I would have been. I probably would not have uh, reached out. Plus, your inbox was open. That was another thing. Your, your DMs were open. Um, but no, I I just thought, hey, this is a guy who has a podcast. He talks about film and stuff, and he in your bio it says you. You aspire to be a documentarian, right? Uh, well, I make YouTube documentaries. Okay. Well, I, yeah. I don't. I, all I know is what I read, but. Um, well, I mean, I, 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 I don't. I don't distrust what you're saying here. I, I completely believe that you know your your reasoning for doing everything that you're doing is sincere, and uh, I don't doubt any anything you've said at all in regards to you know whatever threats you've gotten. Or what have you? Maybe it's just miscommunication between the the DMs or 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 whatever. But when I read that today, I was you know because I, I this is not the first time I've been put in a situation where there's a much larger creator who has singled out a joke that I've made about them, which was usually you know just in good fun. You know, there's there's no real malice behind it. And on that go around, it felt similar to this in that. My impression of a, a good chunk of what was being said felt like it was trying to be emotionally manipulative to get me to stop doing what I'm doing because there wasn't a sense of humor about themselves. Well, honestly, I'm sorry if it came off that way. That really wasn't my intention. I, um, I never really know how to respond to anything like this. Uh, like I said, this is completely new for me, so... If, if again, I'm sorry if it came off that way. That really wasn't my intention at all, man. No, I mean, if, look, I, I would, I would suggest probably for the future, you shouldn't, you should probably just do your best to shrug it off because I mean, at the end of the day, it is just a joke. It doesn't have to be a, a big mountain of you know drama or, or whatever it might. No, sure, know, yeah, that's why I didn't unravel into. No, um, that's why I reached out to you privately, and I was just like. You know, hey, man, do you want to like talk or whatever? I didn't really mm -hmm. think that it was like a I didn't really think I was making like an issue of it or anything. I didn't like retweet it or anything. It's just it was just unusual. I mean, that that's all it really is. Um, I don't I don't see it as like a, a big fuss to you know plant a flag in the ground over and be like, sure. No, I, I don't. And, and, and turn it into a, a, or let it metastasize into a, a greater issue. Yeah, than it is. I completely agree with you. 100 percent. So uh, with that out of the way, Chris, why don't, we, uh, why don't we talk about some other things? How about that? Sure, man. I'd love to, honestly. 
All right. So you're based out of Ohio. Yep. Um, you're well known for your movie reviews on YouTube. What else do you have like going on creatively? Like, what are you, what are, what are your main sources of interest? Because I know there's certain people that activate like that operate on YouTube and they're big into film, yeah. but they're specifically into like one niche aspect sure. of the process. What 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 sticks out to you as like your thing? That's the whole part of all this. The whole reason that I started talking about movies was because ever since I was a kid, I just wanted to make them. I've been trying to hone a craft, you know, since I was 14 and making shitty amateur movies with my friends in the woods and stuff. And um, basically starting YouTube was sort of like, well, if I can't professionally make films, I was only like 21 or something when I started. So I think the next best thing could be talking about them. Obviously, you know, I had no idea that people would subscribe to my channel. I was very, I'm always very surprised that that people enjoy watching the content. It's every time I've ever reached a milestone, I've always, I'm always genuinely surprised. So it was just a secondary way of being involved in the film industry in, in some shape or form. You know, I never had any aspirations to be a film critic and I still don't, I, I must be honest. Uh, I, I'm, I like talking about movies, but I don't want to be a film reviewer when I'm 40. I don't. I, sure, I, sure. I, I don't even really want to be one when I'm 35 and I'm 32 right now. So there's there's a point where it, it the fun kind of starts to, for me anyway, where I'm like, damn, like I I'm not really doing what I want to do. And so I would say. Probably in like 2018, uh, I had this conversation with a writer friend of mine. And and he's an incredible writer. He's had a lot of his stuff reviewed on um, sites like Script Shadow, and he's done really well. Uh, he hasn't gotten anything made yet, but he's been super close. He's had like people like Christian Bale and Michael Fassbender read his stuff, and he's he's basically just like two steps away from getting something made. And he was like, "Look, man, you have all these fucking ideas, and you're doing nothing with them. You're just making YouTube videos, and." you're delivering content to people and you're connecting with people and that's great, but you're not actually doing what you want to do. And you have these people who follow you on Twitter. And then he listed like some directors and stuff who followed me. And he was like, just fucking direct message them, dude, and ask if they know any managers or if they know any agents or anybody who's looking for somebody who's, who is interested in horror, which is what I'm interested in is writing horror. Mm -hmm. And I just decided to do it. And I, I went through my contacts and I, I, I reached out to like seven different people and um, about five of them got back to me. And some of them said, like, not looking for anything right now. But two of them said, hey, I actually am looking for stuff right now. Why don't you send me something you've written? So I did. And he he was like, I will show this to my agent. I'm not going to say who it was. He was like, I will show this to my agent. Um but I, I have to read it first. I have to know that it's that's any good. So he read this this the script I wrote, and he was like, "This is actually really good." And he connected me with his agent. So basically, over the past two years, I have been doing basically nothing except writing screenplays and making YouTube videos and trying to start a family uh, with my wife. So that's I mean, I know that the perception is I am smiling face guy who talks about anime and movies but that's <laughs> basically i do i'm doing that because i enjoy it but it's uh, it's helping me pay my rent 
And it's, it's I was going to ask. Um, so you you said that you've been on the platform since what, 2009? Yes. Yes. OK, so I mean, you you've been around long enough like since the early days of YouTube or yeah. early enough mm-hmm. where you're kind of now in a category with people like James Rolfe or uh, red letter media or what have you. I was going to ask if you had reached a point earlier in your career where you had like a similar uh, uh, realization that maybe this could be a hindrance if you stick to it long enough or uh, Definitely. That you might wind up in a mental trap. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> to be compl- I'm going to just, I'm just going to be completely real with, with you guys. And I'm going to say some shit that I've always wanted to say that I've never said, uh, and, yeah. and I hope, <laughs> I hope that, I hope that you like it. And I hope that you understand how much this actually means to me, what I'm about to say. Okay. Um, my family basically hates, well, maybe not hates, but they're very disappointed in my career choices. Um, ah. In general, they they wanted me to do many other things. Uh, the idea of being in film for them is it's it's like when everyone in your family is a lawyer, and you are like, I'm gonna be a painter. Of they view it as illegitimate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so when I first started, like you're talking, you you said at at, at any point. Did you think it would be a hindrance to your career or your, or your life goals? Right. Literally, when I began, my family was like, what are you doing? Uh, you're wasting your time. This, you know, and it's, it's never fully really gone away from that. Uh, I, I, I love my family, but they... It's okay. They can be dicks. My family yeah. is a bunch of dicks. My family is a bunch of dicks. They've <laughs> never really supported me much uh, in my career, but uh, I mean, they, they can be dicks. It's all right. Uh, they, yeah. uh, my parents don't really know anything about film. They just hear that I, I'm, I'm going to be in a movie soon, and they're like, that's cool, but it, it's nothing that ever impresses them or anything. I guess yeah. until until they see you on TV or something, that's when they'll be like, okay, this is not you just being a Chris commercial, Hans. Yeah, yeah, not just him playing silly games, being loud in his room late at night. You uh, have to be like on screen next to like Robert Redford or something. Yeah, but it's got to be someone they recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah, with my parents, it was pretty much that too. I mean, it, over the years, they've definitely loosened up a little bit, but there was a a major form of like, what are you doing with your life right now? Like, why are you pursuing this? You should be doing this. And I lost a lot of my friends uh who also were were very much so like we don't support this uh and we don't want you to be involved in this so basically i was all in or all i was i was all out when i started t- like professionally pursuing a, f- a film career it was either you're going to do this or you're not going to do this and the other the other option was stay working for akron public schools which is what i was doing at the time on school buses or and just be miserable your the rest of your life and make eight dollars and seventy five cents an hour, or try to actually do what you want to do, which in this case is 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 filmmaking. So, yeah, I I'm I'm I am currently the closest I've ever been to to actually getting something made. I can I can tell you a little bit about how that came about if you want. Yeah, by all means. Um, my same friend who encouraged me, he's a great guy to talk to those filmmakers who eventually got me in contact with an agent. 
told me that I should try out the blacklist. Um, and for anyone listening who doesn't know, I'm sure you probably do. The blacklist is basically a, a website that catalogs the best unproduced scripts. Uh, and you can basically pay people to read and review your script and give you feedback on how to make it better. And a lot of filmmakers go to the blacklist looking for scripts that they might want to make. So my friend said, put your shit on blacklist. And I was like, God damn, I don't know, man. One of the problems at the time was uh, had to do with Shia LaBeouf, actually. Um, mm. I don't know if you guys know about this, if you follow the writing community at all, but Shia LaBeouf got Honey Boy made because of the blacklist. He put his script on the blacklist and it got some attention and his film ended up getting made. People kind of gave him a, I don't know, a pass the first time because obviously he's like extremely famous and knows a lot of filmmakers. I mean, he's worked with like every major filmmaker. And it was kind of strange that he would go to a website that, you know, had like all that was basically designed for spec writers. And he did it again with this recent script. And now he's kind of become a meme in this in the screenwriting community, like people because he's winning contests like he's he's winning screenwriting contests where the prize is a Skype call with the producer. <laughs> And it's like you're Shia LaBeouf. You don't. Oh, that's awesome. You don't. That sounds very. That sounds very James Franco entering yeah. like the literary com- community. Maybe right. about six or seven years ago. I don't know how familiar you are, you are with that. No, they I got like that. big publishing deals for. I think it was called Actors Anonymous in Palo Alto, um, which wound up being made into a fairly decent. I think Gia Coppola film and three spinoffs. Okay. Uh, three yeah. spinoffs. Three, three, yes, they did. They did sequels. It's uh, why? Uh, who who knows? Money laundering. <laughs> I don't know. So the reason I bring Shia LaBeouf up is because he got so much flack for putting his his work on blacklist and getting a lot of attention. As a result, I decided to use a pen name. I, I didn't want. Mm. I I don't compare myself in any way, obviously, to his <laughs> level of attention, of course, but. I'd never, if, if something I put on blacklist actually got made, I didn't want to be accused of favoritism. I didn't want anybody to say, well, you just got, that's got made because you have followers. I wanted whoever read it, if they liked it, I wanted them to like it because of the work. I didn't want them to like it because I have a lot of subscribers on fucking YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, Do you think anyone would also take it less seriously because yeah, you yeah, are a YouTuber? No, exactly. Yeah, no. I, if, if they read it, I, I wouldn't want them to be like, oh, I'm going to read the YouTube script now. Like, you know, I didn't right. want that either. So I, I used a pen name. And uh, I pu- I paid for like, I don't know, like 10 reviews or something. And I got surprisingly great feedback. I got like eights out of 10, which is really good on Blacklist. And that actually puts you like in the above 5%. And I was like, okay, this is actually some validation now. This feels good. Um, through that, a filmmaker who I, I, I can't name, the ink is not quite dry yet, but he did option it a filmmaker reached out to my blacklist inbox and was like, hello, and he used my pen name. I love your script. I would love to talk to you about it. So I got on the phone with him and essentially like he's made some, he's, he's got like an A-list movie about to come out. Um, and I've seen like 10 minutes of it and it looks fucking great. And he like really likes the script and he wants to make it as his next movie. And if right now we're trying to cast a lead, um, some people have read it that I it's like every time I hear about who's read it, I fucking lose my mind. Like I, I don't even know how to deal with it, but I just feel good that it came of someone who did not know that I had a following or anything like that. 
No, you don't have to confirm if sure. it's this person or not, but is it Tyler Perry? <laughs> <laughs> I could only wish that it was Tyler Perry. Oh. I could only wish that it was Tyler Perry. No, it's it's um it's definitely like a like a three to five million dollar script. It's it's not like a giant movie or anything. It's like a contained horror. So right now that's in development. I can't really talk about it, but he did option it for a year and we're trying to get a, a star attached right now. So it's kind of cool. I think that thing that you said about, about not using your name is really interesting too, because well, we, uh, we shot a movie. What was it? March, February, March is still kind yeah, of still first week shot. of March. Yeah. But, uh, just because of that same stigma of, you know, every, I mean, I guess I can confidently say that every YouTube production or movie that's related to any type of YouTuber in any way has struck not, out. It's, it's it not, not delivered. Yeah. And it's yeah. not seen as anything that you could take seriously just by right. having that uh, thing up there. So yeah. that's one of the things that we also worried about, about being too active on that or just having only that following supporting you just because... Exactly. You know, you, you, you kind of want to do something that people not to not think of you before they watch it. And if they know you, uh, just so that there's no that, you know, predisposition to taking it compare or compare it to all the silly shit that we do, which is just, right. you know, foolishness. Right. Yeah. It, you can fall into a certain kind of, um, you know, self-believing trap that way, too. Uh, like we were talking about. Uh, Ralph, the movie maker on an earlier show and how he had released, you know, he's a young guy. He's only like, I think he's only like 20 to 22 years old. And he, he put together a movie. Yeah, I, I think saw for, it. oh, you watched it. Yeah, I watched it. Lover. Okay. So, I mean, it, it's got the, the technical issues that you would expect of a 20 to 20 something year old making that type of film. But if you check out the reviews on like Vimeo or wherever it might be, like his subscribers bombard that. And I almost view that as potentially uh, counterproductive or harmful in terms yeah. of growth as a filmmaker in the long run. Because if you listen strictly to your fan base, then you might wind up not learning anything as a result of the whole process. Right. Yeah. You end up making a, a two-hour YouTube video. Yeah. That's like, exactly right. Like what the video game nerd tried to do, right? Which ended up being, uh, okay, this is fun for 15 minutes, and now I'm kind of over it. Should we just go down the list of YouTubers and badmouth them with, with Chris Stuckman? <laughs> That'll be great. I'm sure that won't Honestly, result in any issues coming. I don't know. I don't think I know any of who's Smosh. Is that, that's one, right? Did you ever I'm see too, uh, Space old. Cop? Oh, so, no. oh, yeah, there was Smosh the movie. They uh, di they got a real director on that, too. Didn't they get Alex Winter from uh, Bill and Ted? And he, he, like, he's a legit documentarian and everything. He did a, a dark web one we can talk a couple years back. That was uh, pretty good. Logan Paul airplane movie or whatever it is. Well, it's sure. a, that's a series, isn't it? The series that's like Hunger Games, but without the violence no, or whatever? He did, he did some kind of like airplane spoof ripoff thing. Oh, Logan no. Paul. Yeah, with with YouTube comedians. Oh, yeah, I watched like ten minutes of it and wanted to die. Oh no, that that's like the modern epic movie, like the modern. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was rough. It was rough. I was like, maybe I'll review the. Uh, no, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. Uh, Chris, who are some of your favorite filmmakers? Uh, basically, a, a lot of 
you know, I'm going to say the cliches. Uh, I'm going to say Scorsese. I'm going to say Spielberg. You know, I'm going to say those. But some of the people that I don't hear about too much that I really admire is um, I really, really like Mike Flanagan a lot. I think that he is one of the better horror filmmakers uh, today. I mean, he, he, yeah, I hate that guy. I got a beef with him too, Chris. Yeah, really? I do. I, well, I really dislike Dr. Sleep. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's we, okay. Like, I mean, you can, you can dislike a movie, but, uh, I, I know. I, yeah, I, I, I thought that was an aberration. I, I, I really just, uh, uh, pissing on the legacy of Kubrick was, was my opinion of it. Okay. Well, that's valid. If you, if you didn't like it, that's cool. Um, what, what, what was your opinion of, uh, Dr. Sleep? Yeah, I thought it was, I think there was no way he could win. I, I don't think that there was a way he could win. Uh, I think that if you, if you fully embrace Kubrick, then you, then you shit on King. And if you fully mm. embrace King, you shit on Kubrick. And I think that he had a, a, a gargantuan challenge um, that I couldn't even begin to comprehend having. And uh, I think that he did a pretty damn good job. You know, that, that, that's a fair assessment, I would say. Yeah. Do you ever find that, you know, maybe there are filmmakers that you're not particularly a fan of? Not, not necessarily that you're not a fan of, maybe you're neutral to them, but that you take away a bit of influence from them. In that, I mean, you're, you're getting into screenwriting now and filmmaking. Does that ever occur with you, or is it strictly a case where you really like X filmmaker and you find no, yourself maybe that, borrowing aspects of their technique? No, I think that you need to watch everything. I think that I think actually it might even be more important to watch movies that failed in some way to to understand maybe either why they failed or or. Because every movie that gets made had something in it that somebody before they made it said, oh, yeah, we can do that. Or, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll financially back that idea. Like every even bad movies, they got backed by somebody. A studio said, yeah, we'll do that. So there's always like a, a some kind of element to the, even the bad movies that that failed at the box office or with critics or with audiences that there's a reason that movie got made. What is the reason? Is it because there's an element to it that the studios were looking for? Is it a genre that the studios were looking for? Is it cheap? Is it got a star in it or whatever, you know? So I think yeah. Yeah, you, you learn from, from the movies that didn't work even more than the ones that do, because when I watch a great movie, everything just kind of clicks and you, it's almost like you're not really thinking about how they made it. You're just like, wow, this experience is fucking amazing. Like when I watch, I don't know, the matrix or some shit, I'm like, God damn, this is like gorgeous and beautiful. How did they do this? I'm not thinking, Oh, look at the technique. I would like to figure out how to accomplish right. that technique. But when I see a bad movie, but that maybe there's like a great idea in that bad movie that just wasn't really expanded on, then that's, that's actually somehow a lot more interesting to me because then you can kind of think about, okay, well that didn't really work out, but maybe if it did work out, what would that have looked like? That was actually, you just touched on what I was going to ask next, which was, do you have any examples of movies that maybe miss the mark, but they have some great ideas in them or some interesting creative choices that are somehow charming to you? Charming. Um, sure. Uh, Lady in the water is one that movie's a mess it's a fucking mess um but there's aspects of it that are extremely like audacious and ballsy and absurd that 
I can't imagine any other filmmaker just doing like putting yourself in the movie as the writer that will change the world. And, uh, you know, like having all these weird mythologies that like have very little backstory except through exposition. And, but there's still an aspect of that movie that I, I genuinely can say I've, I've never seen a film like that before. And that's rare. And so what do you make of M night as a director in general? M. Night Shyamalan is the filmmaker that made me want to make movies. Um, when I was when I was fourteen, uh, his movie Signs was you know it, not a masterpiece, but it, I, it was just the first time that as a fourteen year old I thought about movies in a. Uh, I started thinking about how that how they were made by people. I had never really thought about that before. You know, I went to a theater and it was like this magical screen that just showed me cool things, but. I started actually thinking about the technique and the craft of making a movie when I saw Sides. And what was it about that movie that made you? I don't know. I think everyone. The... I think everyone just has a couple, a year in their life where something impacts them in some way. And 2002 was huge for me. Like Minority Report came out, and I remember thinking about that and how Spielberg used high contrast um, ble- uh, bleaching to the film and 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 how it made the film look. And I had never thought of that about that before you know there are people i i've i talked to somebody the other day um who was like who actually didn't know that movies were written (laughs) like they they just thought that it they just winged it you know and and so they only watched harmony corinne films (laughs) it was a ghostbusters movie wasn't it like that the 26 inch just improvised everything you just record for four hours let them go and then try to make a movie out of it Oh my God. No, so I, I don't know. Like I, that was just the first time that I was, I really started thinking about film as an art form. And, and, and so I appreciate his films considerably. There are many that I don't like, and I've honestly, you know, I've been very honest about that last airbender after earth happening. You know, I mean, these movies are fairly terrible, but um, when he gets it right, I think he gets it really right. And I guess for me, I, we, I think, I think one of our big problems as a film community in general, and especially over the past 10 years, is that we put so much weight on a number, whether that's the box office receipts or the percentage on Rotten Tomatoes or the number on Metacritic or the IMDb score. And nuance to opinion has mostly died in the past 10 years and a film lives and dies on whether or not enough people like it right off the bat, the bat in its first weekend. And sometimes movies can be reanalyzed in the future years and, and sort of like looked at differently, like peeping Tom, for instance, people fucking hated that movie in the sixties when it came out, but now it's like a fucking classic. Um, and I think with Shyamalan, I genuinely do believe that after he dies, some people will look at his films and think, hmm, these were like different than anything else that were out at the time. Yeah, they're not that, some of them aren't that great, but he was genuinely like an artist who was trying to express himself through a medium. And I guess I respect people who aren't part of the conveyor belt. I respect people who aren't, who are like kind of anti-institution, who are like, fuck it, I'm just going to make my movie the way I want to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't work out. But when it does, I think he's really great. No, I uh, I will definitely agree with you there. M. Knight is absolutely somebody who always swings for the fences whenever he gets uh, you know property under his belt or, or he's got an idea for a film and wants to execute that. 
you know, you're almost always going to see his vision on the screen, which it cannot be said for a good portion of filmmakers. Yeah. Um, what do you, I mean, what do you, what is your general sense on the way that things are going as far as studios and corporate and Disney just kind of like buying up everything? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's, I'm not going to say that it's any harder for me than it is for any other spec writers, because obviously I, I do, I do know that I have a following and, and sometimes that has opened some doors with conversations with agents and stuff, but it's, it's kind of a nightmare to try to get anything mid budget range made. Um, which is why I, I basically just started, I decided to write scripts that could be made for like a million to five, uh, because it's just, that's what people are reading right now. And, and that's what people want to make. They don't really look at anything else. Um, I had somebody tell me, show me one of their scripts. I get a lot of people who send me their scripts, man. And, and that's cool. That's cool. I'm not complaining, but I had somebody show me his script and I, I would estimate the budget was, would be, would have been a hundred million dollars. And, <laughs> and I had to tell him, I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. This will never get made in the, in the history of the world. Like yeah, that was, that was actually me. That's why I started <laughs> all those make it a book. It was you. Mm. Yeah, no, uh, make it a book, do something else. I don't know. Draw pictures. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I think that as, as the thing I think that bothers me the most really is, is kind of what I already said is this, this extreme hyper, like meticulous attention we put on whether or not a film is a failure, you know, mm-hmm. like, if if it has a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie is bad. I, I just, I hate that. I really do. I, I feel like the, the, the nuance to, to film criticism in general has basically died. Well, I was going to ask, do you, do you feel that there is still the same level of legitimacy to film criticism today? No. Say, no, okay. No. Well, do you care to explain that? Yeah, sure. No, I mean, like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm some guy who deserves to be listened to. I've never, ever, ever said that. I've never said, you know, I'm important. I'm a, I'm a film critic. Listen to me. Like I, I don't have a gimmick. I don't, I don't play a character. I don't have like a theme. My videos aren't satirical. I just sit down in front of my camera a couple times a week and I talk about a movie I saw. And if people enjoy that, then that's cool. I don't care. Like <laughs> if they like it, that's great. If they don't, okay. But there is there is sort of a um, I don't, it's something I've noticed over the past few years. There is a the the idea of opening the floodgates basically to anyone has a voice now. Yes, thank and, you. <laughs> yeah, I, hate yeah. That I I think I think a lot of it. <laughs> A lot of it is social media, too, where back in the day, like, and I don't want to sound like a fucking old man yelling at a cloud like that Simpsons thing. But um, back in the day, you had to earn having a voice. You had to actually work really hard to get in a public venue of some kind. And it, it was sort of viewed as this magical, unattainable thing, like having a public voice. And now anybody fucking can. So there's misinformation everywhere. There's just everyone has a voice and opinion. And and sometimes the wrong ones get amplified. Mm. Sometimes Um, it's not even an opinion. Sometimes they don't even have anything either constructive or analytical to say other than that was good or I liked it. 
<laughs> which is the most frustrating part because it's like I'm getting nothing out of this. I just watched eight minutes of someone telling me that they liked something but couldn't even articulate why. So I completely fucking God, I feel that. I um I, I watched a review the other day for Last of Us Two. And for the entire video, the person ranted and ranted and ranted about the game. And then at the very end of the video, she said, I haven't played it yet. Uh, yep. 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 <laughs> I was like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> and, you know, I, I watched your review and you haven't played. So it was like I read the Wikipedia plot or something. Right. I don't. And, and so there's, oh, very, there, yeah. Very opinionated there, entry in Wikipedia. I mean, that, that, that's the thing too, though, is you have to, you can't just have a review of something out. You have to be one of the first few. Yep. You, there's a there's a limited time period where we'll say like a film drops, and you're going to be able to absorb the most amount of attention with that and generate the most, uh, uh, or yes. get the most bang for your buck by releasing that. Right. Yep. If you if you put out a review of, I don't know, uh, Birds of Prey two months after it drops, who's going to care about that? You know. <laughs> so there's yep. that aspect as well. So I think you have a lot of people that do wind up writing opinions, informing. Uh, ideas about these these pro- properties long before they even see them. It reminds yeah. me of uh, Chris. I don't know if you ever like hung out on message boards back in like the early aughts, but I would read uh, plenty. And I, I I remember I would specifically follow news about like Batman films when mm-hmm. I was a young boy, when I was a child. And people would rank. They would do like ranking threads of Batman films and put out a Batman film that wasn't even released yet, like Batman <laughs> Begins. It's like the number one Batman film ever ever made <laughs> among like eight or nine that w- whatever came before that. Just because right. they were so confident that was going to be the case. It, I think it's a lot like that. It's just hyper uh, faux intellectualized. Yeah, I can see that too. I, I, think that, um, I think that people are also so concerned about these properties that they kind of live and die with being good that they have a hard time even accepting the notion uh, that they part of their identities. Yeah. It might not always be great. Like, and, and that's okay. Like artists are allowed to fail. It, it happens. And there'll be another one, you know, like I used to get really de- like, I would say one of the most disappointing movies I ever saw was Die Hard five. And <laughs> I remember just leaving the theater. Like that was the most commercialized shitty shaky cam is that the one with Kevin Smith? No, no, no. That, that's, that's four. 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 four is not oh. two. Four is four. Oh, is not geez, two. sorry that I don't know the lore. <laughs> Die Hard sequels. No, no, that's okay. Number number five is where they introduce like his his, son, his son, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and his line. The one with the plane, the plane on the highway, right? No, that's right. Four. <laughs> oh God, Hans, you don't know anything. I'll, I'll just. Okay. Oh, that's it. No, is that the one with Bruce Willis? Thinking. Yeah, Bruce Willis. He says yippee ki motherfucker. In everyone, single one. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I just remember thinking like, Jesus Christ, this is this is horrible. But uh, same with Indy 4, Indiana Jones 4. I was, it was just a nightmare. And I, I think something that people get hung up on too is that even failures have the opportunity to change with time. I think time yeah. changes the context of plenty of pieces of art. I mean, look, I, we were talking about... Uh, this earlier. I mean, you can take a look at John Carpenter's The Thing, for example. That's a, a more example. commercial example of that, where uh, the critics did not vibe with that. 
I don't know if audiences did at the time, um, but it gradually crystallized into something yeah. that was Fight absolutely Club, worthwhile. Yes, Fight Club. Yeah, Fight, Fight Club is a big one. Uh, Roger Ebert didn't like it. Um, I, uh, I, for me, this is like a weird example, but I remember hating the Silent Hill movie. I mean, I fucking hated it when it came out. Was and it? I, was it because you you were attached to the game though? You see, that's the thing though. Is yeah, I do like the game. Yeah. But the movie's yeah. actually really kind of faithful to the game. And I don't know why I hated it. But anyway, I watched it like last year and I was like, this is actually okay. So yeah, I mean, so I think that sometimes you, there's, and again, like with video game movies, that's another one where you kind of go in, it's a video game movie. It will probably suck. And sometimes you bring that into the, into the theater or, you know, if you're watching it at home and I don't know, I, I guess... What I try to do on my channel is I, I really try not to look at a single review before I see the movie. I, I really try. It's hard because every it's everywhere now. People tweet, oh, it's got certified fresh. Oh, oh good. That's nice. I, you know, it's, it's hard to avoid. But um, I try, I really do try to just look at whatever the filmmaker is trying to make. And the only times that movies actually, like, really make me really actually mad is when you can tell that it was just like a corporate package product, especially if it's pandering to children or something like mm -hmm. th those are the only times when a, when a, a film can actually genuinely like offend me. Usually if it's a bad movie, it's like, all right, well they tried, you know, but sometimes like the emoji movie, for instance, I just remember being like this, is a movie made by people who see children as walking dollar signs and it was just horrible. Yeah. That, that movie's very unfortunate, uh, waste of talent of Mike white screenwriter, Mike white of, uh, Chuck and Buck. You guys see <laughs> Chuck and Buck? No, I haven't seen that. What is that? Oh. Chuck and Buck's a, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, comedy from, I think like 2000 or something. Oh, okay. Um, so I, uh, you you noted you were a fan of the Silent Hill games. What do you take? What do you make of the Resident Evil series? Because that is one that I have not warmed up to in the years since that that came out. I was really looking forward to George Romero's take on that when that was oh, still yeah. a, a thing, and then we wound up going in the complete opposite direction with Paul W S Anderson, essentially making a you know a puff piece for his wife yeah. to star in. Well, he's got a new one called Monster Rancher coming out. You seen that shit? I was about to ask, fuck, what's the new franchise going to ruin? And yeah, and, Monster Rancher was another video game, right? And she's, she's in that too, yeah. Uh, or or right. Mon Monster Hunter, sorry, Monster Hunter. I, oh, said, wait, Mon I said fucking Monster Rancher the anime. Um, yeah, I was confused. Because yeah, I'm Monster Rancher was... That one. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Digimon kind yeah, of thing. Digimon, like, yeah. you, you like grew your... Mon I remember, the, I had the game for I, I, I played this, one. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got excited for a second yeah, there. It's, no. it's, Monster, <laughs> it's Monster Hunter. Emiliovich is in it again. I I don't know. I don't like any of the Resident Evil movies. I uh, like people, are, people always say like the first one's actually good, and I've, I've watched it twice, and I just... I don't think it's good. And it's probably because mm -hmm. I am a, a big fan of the games and they're nothing like the games. They're going to be doing a uh, Netflix series. I heard about that. Aren't they? Arrested yeah. I, I haven't heard anything since like before COVID, but um, that's as far as I know, still a plan. And they got that uh, cowboy bebop live action I, show. And you're, yeah. I know you're a fan of like anime and cowboy bebop. I wanted to get your take on that. Yeah. Um, I'm very terrified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
basically most live action anime adaptations tend to be pretty bad um but i I, I know I know they halted it because uh, the the lead actor like broke his ankle or something on set, and so and then COVID happened. So they are, they're actually like kind of like stuck in the middle of filming it. Um, but I, I hope it's good, man. I don't know. I I I've that's probably my favorite anime. And is it is it a American production or is it a Japanese? Yeah, yeah it's American. Oh, it's American. Ah, oh. they have uh, John Cho. From yeah. Harold and Kumar, John Cho and Spike. Spike. Uh, back okay. in the day, back in the day, <laughs> they were going to have Keanu Reeves originally. Back in the day, they were going to do a Cowboy Bebop movie, and he was going to be Spike. And uh, he said that the reason it didn't get made is because they, they, I guess, a line producer uh, put the budget at like five hundred million dollars for the script, and they were like, "Well, we can't do this." Um, so it got pushed back, and it got pushed back, and then he said he was too old to play Spike. Um, which I guess I can kind of understand, even though he's amazing in the John Wick movies, but I guess I can kind of understand. Plus, you know, you're going to hear all the stuff about how he's white, so might as well so cast it Because I'm, I'm, I'm not very familiar with Cowboy Bebop besides the aesthetics of it and the images sure. of scene. I'm not familiar with the story, but is the character supposed to be Asian or are they just Spiegel. making him Asian? Spiegel. The... He's, he's yeah, Jewish. That's Spiegel. not an Asian name. Oh, Okay, so it's just right? uh, the last name is Spiegel, Spike Spiegel. Yeah, Spike Spiegel. Yeah, uh, I've heard uh, Shinichiro Watanabe talk about it. Um, I've never heard him exactly confirm or deny anything. He's he's definitely said that he was mostly inspired by like American westerns, right? Uh, right. Yeah, particularly like Sergio Leone's films. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you know how it is on the internet. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would you recommend to somebody like me? Now, I have a difficult time getting into just about any show, especially, you know, anime. I just find that there's there's too much. There's always too much. Like, like yeah. you, you, you try to check out an anime, you find out there's 90 plus yeah. episodes of it. And it, when the first episode feels like you're starting in the middle. I, I, I can't I can't get with that. You I, know? I so what, what would you recommend to somebody who likes a very isolated, short, self-contained story? Well, there's a now, few I know shows. That, Sorry, Cowboy no. Bebop's a pretty decent example because that that's only has like twenty three to thirty episodes, right? Yeah. But there's we'll, we'll twenty seven episodes. There's twenty seven episodes in a movie. Uh, there's a show called Outlaw Star that also has twenty seven episodes. That is a similarly about like a ragtag group of like people on a spaceship. There's a, a pretty good show called Trigun. It's also twenty seven episodes. Um, that's about a a guy who has a, a bounty put on his head. Uh, he's known as being a horrific uh, mass murderer uh but he's never killed anyone in his life um he's just always in a place where a, a mass murder happens and everyone thinks he's the guy who is the culprit because he survives uh, so that's that's a pretty good one um i'm not going to say any of the three billion episode shows like one piece or dbz or anything but i would suggest maybe watching a few movies first uh like some studio ghibli films like princess mononoke or um Hell's Moving Castle, some of those films are because then you can get like easily digestible films and you can kind of understand like the aesthetic and also they're just fucking beautiful movies. Pretty yeah. much every Ghibli film is good. Now what about uh, what about Hamtaro? Is there is there any <laughs> worth to? <laughs> I've heard so much Chan? about this Hamtaro. Is, is Chim Chan or... anime? <laughs> I'm surprised. Chim Chan is a little horny boy, isn't it? I have no idea, man. 
Uh, I don't know anything. The only thing I know about I, know, I think that's just that, in your head, you sick pervert. I don't know what you're talking about on this show. So, yeah. so there's this, there's this very iconic anime. I don't remember the name. Uh, I there's a story behind what I'm about to say, but I, I'm gonna ask you. It's like a a guy that has like a red coat and glasses and a gun. That's Trigun, isn't that's it? That's Trigun. Is that See, I know this. I don't watch anime. I, you're Asian, Hans. You should be on yeah. top of this. What, but listen, one time I took this really long bus ride that was like 12 hours long. And a guy that was sitting in front of me was an ex-army guy that was obsessed with that show. He, he was wearing one of the shirts. And I decided to say hello to him because both of us were alone, right? He turned around and uh, half of his body was burnt because he was a, a veteran. Uh, and he told me that he loved that show. So he started telling me about how much he loved the show. And uh, the only thing that uh, would ruin his show is that he had a Puerto Rican wife that he liked to beat uh, regularly because she was kind of a bitch. And I'm just sitting there like, all right, I just I was just asking about your shirt. And this guy was pretty much telling me that, you know, his Puerto Rican wife was very mouthy. Uh, so now every time I see that image or every time anyone mentions anime, I immediately go <laughs> veteran that has half of his body burnt that somehow, I guess, with his good arm would beat his wife. I, I don't mean to make you guys uncomfortable, but <laughs> that's a lot of it. information that 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 veteran was General Patton. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that. That's wonderful, Hans. Thank you for that lovely anecdote. I'm glad that you think of that when you when you think about animations. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus! I you know I had a question to go from from that, but Hans, you really I think you really just derailed the show there. <laughs> I think you should apologize right now. I was actually I was actually curious about something uh, when it comes to your filmmaking because you you've talked a lot about uh, screenwriting, but are you interested in any other aspects of the production after? The script has been approved. Like they say, yeah. Uh, I want, I want to direct. I want to direct. Um, in the case of the the blacklist script, uh, that was optioned by a director, and I was like, okay, if this gives me a foot in the door, I don't mind giving up the what I because I have a vision for that movie. I have every shot in my head. I can see the whole thing if I close my eyes. Right. And it's just one. You know, you can kind of close your eyes and press play on the movie, and and you hope that you can somehow achieve that, but. Um, I, I also am a realist and I know that a first time writer is not just going to walk into like a $5 million movie. It just rarely ever happens. Uh, like mm -hmm. even people like Ari Aster with hereditary, it was like a $10 million movie, but he was like fresh out of AFI and he had like all these connections and stuff. So, um, and so I was okay with saying like, Hey man, please, yes, make, make my fucking movie and just do it. Um, but for this other one that I'm working on right now that I'm in development with, uh, with another company actually that I, I met at a festival last year. Um, I met this, this, this guy at a film festival last year and, and we just kind of talked about like the movies we were seeing. And I, I noticed he had an industry badge on and he was like, um, he told me a little bit about himself and I was kind of like really all of a sudden like super nervous because I realized he had like, Someone, he was yeah. like, yeah, he was like a guy. <laughs> and, uh, he just randomly asked me, he, he was like, what are you working on? And I was like, oh shit. Uh, okay. It's time to do it. Uh, fight or flight. And, uh, I basically just, I told him some of my ideas and he was like, one of those actually sounds really cool. And I ended up talking a lot with, with him and his company over the past year. And that, that one is, is a separate entity from the, the, the other script I was talking about. And that one is a, a, a much smaller budget film. Um, 
but that that is actually one I'm I w- I'm hoping to direct. Uh, now, if you if the movie that you wrote gets done, are you going to change the pen name to your real name, or are you just going to keep the pen name? Um, the movie that I wrote, I, I will definitely uh, keep my name on it. Um, yeah. The pen the pen name was basically because I I had to know that it was not that 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 it had some validity to it. Right, and, right, right. That, that, that's still my point is because uh, I guess if you're trying to get your foot in the door and you get a film made that you wrote sure. and then, you know, you might just want to use your real name so that if it's successful, if, if anyone likes it and is interested yeah. in working with you in the future, that would definitely Correct. work. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, also there's a point, there's a point, man, where you just have to kind of wash your hands of it and just submit yourself to the machine that is... The, the film industry uh there's there's things that are out of your hands and yeah. uh, i had this conversation with um with uh, another writer and and i told him exactly the, basically the same fears that you guys were saying about your film that you were making you didn't want it to be viewed as like a youtuber movie because it's just not what you wanted and yeah. i told him the same basic thing and he was like look you really in the end you really have no control over people's perception of you people think the way they want to think about you and, and and that's just it you can only do your best and and i i I truly do think that if you make a good movie people will not be able to deny that like if it's genuinely a good movie and and well made and well researched and well acted and well shot and edited people are going to recognize that and the people who aren't going to recognize that weren't going to from the beginning you know right so it's it's there's there's something some things that are out of our hands now have you considered a strategy moving forward as you lean more into the filmmaking aspect of things and less into youtube definitely yeah it's it's basically all i've thought about (laughs) um i've because i don't want to quit entirely I, i don't think that that's i feel like that would be counterproductive um I think my best comp that I can give you is um, someone I admire very much, David F. Sandberg. Uh, he's a filmmaker behind Lights Out, Annabelle Creation, and Shazam. Um, he began on YouTube, uh, him and his wife making shorts. He did the Lights Out short, which got him Lights Out, the feature. And mm-hmm. even after making those three movies I just said, he is still making YouTube videos. But all of his videos are about like his, his experiences making those films. Like he made this really great video about like really in depth about what what it's like to show your film at a test screening, and I found that really fascinating because nobody talks about that shit. Right. Everybody everybody always act, asks acts like the the movie industry is this magical like thing that just you know it's all magic. No one ever just gets down to the nitty gritty and says like this is what it's like to show your movie to a bunch of people who don't want to see your movie and then they get comment cards and say like this is what I thought about this and the, and he was just so in depth about it. And that's if, you know, fingers crossed, man, because I have a lot of self-doubt and I never actually count on anything really happening the way I want it to. But fingers crossed, if I can, if I can full time at, at any point in my life be a filmmaker, I would love to talk more about filmmaking on my channel and like make like on set production videos and stuff like right. interviewing, interviewing cinematographers or the actors or, you know, the crew and kind of like basically turning my channel into like a, a film featurettes that like special features you might find on a blu-ray or something like mm. and just kind of trying to like 
unveil the curtain behind the scenes of like what it's really like to make a movie and, and how to get something together. And, and I feel like that would be a really fun thing to do. And every once in a while, of course, like I, I, I probably would still, I do a Halloween special every year where every October I talk about like a, a select few horror films. I'd probably still do stuff like that for fun. Cause I mean, that would just be fun. But uh, Tarantino talked a little bit about how he almost became a film critic before he became a filmmaker. And every year though, he still does like best of lists and top 10 lists and stuff. And, and he, he has said like, I can't like shit on my colleagues. So I just kind of talk about movies I like. And um, if I, if I ever were, you know, able to transition in some way into making movies full time, obviously I'm not going to, you know, say like Robin Hood gets an F it's shit. Like I'm not going <laughs> to like, like, what's the point of doing that? You know? So, but as of right now, it's, it's, it's fun. It helps me pay the bills. I, I'm, you know, have a family I try to support and it's, uh, it's what I, it's what I do now. And I'm hoping that I can kind of do like what Sandberg did, which was just start talking a lot about filmmaking and that would be really fun. Yeah. You don't really see too many filmmakers operating nowadays and also embracing the, the other elements out there with social media. I'm considering YouTube as part of social media in this, this sure. example. Uh, you know, say for maybe him, uh, but obviously there's much more of a focus on the filmmaking nowadays. Uh, maybe like Kevin Smith. Yeah. I, I don't know if you have a high opinion of Kevin Smith or, or a negative one. He's very polarizing, obviously. But um, somebody like that tends to do something along the lines of kind of what you're describing. So is I, that what people maybe have uh, an idea of what to look forward to down the road? Like I said, like I said, I don't, I, I, even after my script got optioned and the filmmaker was like, I want to make this, I'm not popping any champagne bottles. I'm not saying like, yep, I'm done. This is it. Like, that's not how it works. I, I fully expect to fail in almost everything, man. I really do. Like, I just have this mentality where I think, okay, I'm starting a new project. It's probably going to suck, but I'll do it anyway. And, and usually that's, I think that's a writer thing. You kind of just, think you're bad all the time and it, it's not until someone else says hey this is actually kind of good that you're like really okay well yeah. that's interesting i never really thought thought that someone would like this <laughs> um plus writing a first draft is a nightmare because it's always shit it's just yeah. fucking it's fucking shit and you're looking at it and you're like i am shit this is the worst <laughs> that's ever that's ever existed i don't want to write it, this anymore yeah, yeah. it's some- <laughs> is writing is writing easier for you than editing um, wow. Cause I, I, I will have a problem with writing if I don't, uh, you know, create like a spine or a blueprint of what it is I'm working on, but I have an especially difficult time giving that piece of writing a bit of a break and then returning to it a month later where you're going to have like, especially clear eyes to all the flaws in your, in your work. Yeah. I find that for me, whenever I've written a draft of something, I get that draft to a point where I am capable of feeling some form of peace with that draft. Mm. And then once I feel that I have done all that I feasibly can at this time with this draft, I'll start showing it to some trusted people, uh, like fellow writers and, and other people, and just asking for feedback. And inevitably, one of them will say, right here, this just didn't track for me, or, or this, mm. this, this character choice here, it just felt out of left field or whatever. And then I'm like, God damn, I didn't see that. You're right. So it's, it's, it's very interesting to be completely on the other side because I talk so much about movies that are done and you can kind of just sit there for 90 minutes and, and be like, okay, I see why 
this part of it didn't work. But when you're looking at a blank page, it's just a whole nother beast, really. And from draft to draft, I would say that editing, actually, I, I get better with editing. Um, but I, I always need like that feedback of like those, those four or five people I send it to and kind of just hear from them. And, and because um, I think it was C. Robert Cargill, he wrote Sinister and um, Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. he, he wrote on Twitter, he said, um, if one person doesn't like something in your script, it might just be like a personal preference. But if five people don't like it, it's a problem. So I find that I really can't know everything until I have the feedback of like five to 10 people who've read it. And then I can really start honing in on what's working and what isn't working about it. It's getting late over here. So we're going to probably wrap up the show, but I sure. do have one more question for you. I've seen anytime I've ever made a Stuckman related post, somebody makes an effort to post a picture of you as the driver from drive. Now, what is, what is the source of this, Chris? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I drive a lot. Uh, it was a, a movie that I made, a movie I loved that I, and I made it some skits for it back in the day from like 2011, like literally nine years ago. So I don't know. I, I think people just always connect that movie with how I, how much I love it. And that was another film that inspired me a lot too. Um, I genuinely have no fucking idea. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you, do you like Refn as a filmmaker? Uh, man. I, I, I like Drive. I, I, similar to Shyamalan, I really like how he will just, if you, like, I, like you were saying, if you watch a Reppin movie, you're, you're seeing his vision 100% unfiltered. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes it's also detrimental to the entire experience because he gets so like into his self-indulgent. Self yeah. Yeah. He's, it's just, ugh. he's probably my favorite filmmaker, but uh, too old yeah. to die young. Like I think Refn works in a good like ninety minute structure stretched out over thirteen hours. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. And I, yeah. I love everything he does, but that that was I, I I especially really like a lot of his weird movies. Like I'm one of the few people that actually like found some merit in Only God Forgives and I'd like um, Only God. <laughs> I I, I, I still defend that movie to this day. Yeah. I saw I saw that in the when it premiered in Cannes, we got a, a free ticket for that, and everyone hated it. Like, I just yeah. remember that the audience just fucking hated it, and I just remember loving the violence. Like, it is slow, but visually it's great. There's no story, fine. But I just remember being very entertained by how violent it was and how the aesthetic of it was completely different from everything that was out at the time, just yeah. the fact that it was set over there. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's definitely one of those movies that, that, uh, if you have something nice to say, there's always going to be someone that's going to, yep. always come somebody back in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I have problems with the movie, but like I, there was part, I, I really like weird movies. I, I just, I like looking at movies where it seems like the director is trying to communicate something and it's just so bizarre like a racer head or something where it's just like what the fuck were you doing with this and it's it or enemy for instance is a big one i, I really loved enemy uh, under the skin that's another one i i just i really like when a director is able to challenge me in some way and even though Refn's films can like we said get kind of self-indulgent um like i have yet to finish that show for instance i the yeah. first two episodes 
first two episodes really dragged for me. The and second one especially is rough. I, I would say you probably aren't missing anything. Episodes four and five are decent on their own. I know. I think they premiered those at uh, maybe it was Cannes or Sundance. Yeah, he actually took those out of context and just showed them. <laughs> yeah, they're great. They're great. And then the rest of the series, it's like you don't need just this. him in a in a glass box with neon lights, smelling his own farts for six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I watched the the documentary his wife made. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like in bed reading the reviews for Only God Forgives, and he's like, "Why are they so mean?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I feel kind of bad for him." Like, I don't know. Like, I I don't I don't like when I, I if there's one thing I can say when I'm done with it, when it, when I'm done with my life, whatever the hell. I, I really try to just talk about film. I never try to focus on like bashing a filmmaker person or like, obviously I've, I've done that before. I'm not going to say I haven't. I said some shit about Limp Biscuit making fanatic, but <laughs> um, how dare you? yeah, how dare me. Um, I just, I, I admire a filmmaker who is, I think that's what most film critics are asking filmmakers to do. Like, I think most film critics are like, please make something weird and different that isn't like everything we see. And when that happens, a lot of film critics still are like, I don't get this. It's bad. Yeah. This is challenging, though. Like, this is what you want people to do, right? Yes. They they will absolutely find a gripe about a film that isn't a certain thing. And then when a film is a certain thing, they gripe that it's not the mold yeah. that it should be. So it's yep. just... Uh, you know that do you like Valhalla Rising? That's actually my least favorite of his. I I, I would probably agree with you on that. I um that <laughs> one that one I just I mean I, I struggled to get through those types of films anyway. Uh Fear X was another one that was kind yeah. of uh you know it dragged at some parts. I I felt like he was trying to ape Lynch way too hard with that movie. And uh I'm glad he went back to the Pusher films after that. Pusher two is a really underrated piece of filmmaking. Yeah. I fucking love Mads Mikkelsen. Honestly, like um, I was yeah. talking to this other uh, YouTuber who turned filmmaker. Um, he made Arctic with oh, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Okay. And I literally was like, dude, I think more than any other actor, Mads Mikkelsen is like the guy that I would want to work with more than anybody. Um, he's just, I, I just watched Hannibal this year and he's a fucking chameleon. Like if you, if you look at Casino Royale and then, and then the hunt. The hunt is a great and then, hunt. And then oh. and then Hannibal. It's literally three different fucking people. There, it, it's insane. Like he is such a fucking talented actor. Um, but yeah, no, I I am a fan of Ref, and I just I, I kind of all every time he makes a movie, I'm always sort of like, oh, please, like don't be like self indulgent too much in this one, and just like you know make the vision. Yeah, I thought the Neon Demon walked that back a little bit from where it was. It only God yeah. forgives. Yeah, and felt more in line with something like Drive, at least. Yeah, and then Too Old to I, Die I like Young. <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with Maniac Cop, and uh, whatever the next yes. project is. I think it's called The Avenging Silence, or I might have the title wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy to me. The Maniac Cop thing—that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think he's great. I, I basically, I don't know, like. One of the reasons I enjoy talking about movies and and is just because I like the idea of trying to find ways to like support filmmakers who are trying to do things out of the box that are that don't seem like everything that's on a conveyor belt that's 
you know, thrown in the theater. I mean, I like a good old blockbuster, you know, Mission Impossible or whatever. Those are fun, exciting movies. But I, I, I get like really excited when I see like a movie like, for instance, Drive or, uh, you know, like Under the Skin or something like that, where it's, it's just very challenging. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the thing is, because I, I know that I would never make a movie like that. I, and that's why I respect it so much. Like I, I wouldn't feel that like audacious to be able to, to make a film that sh- like weird and, and strange. But, and so I really admire filmmakers who do that. See, I feel, I feel the same way about Tyler Perry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen, who's going to be playing the rubber star role? Are they just going to put a, a, a rubber Lego head on, on a regular person? Because you could, you barely needed any makeup on rubber star on mania cop. Uh, originally i don't know if you remember the guy with the massive head yeah oh yes 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 he um oh what uh samurai cop right he was in samurai cop is he is he i think so samurai cop i mean it's a face that you can't really confuse with anyone else it's just a swollen lego head but now he's dead so i'm I'm just wondering what they're going to do with mania cop i guess they're just going to cgi someone into being a monster (laughs) or that was that was him that was him in samurai cop yeah he uh he has that famous sign, I will bring you his head and put his head on your piano. Uh, yes, you should see Samurai Cop. It's amazing. Uh, I'm just looking forward to Robert Davey getting more work. How about that? Robert Davey. He's live on Cameo.com right now for, I think, $250. Very overvaluated that, <laughs> that work. I, dude, uh, the, the Cameo CEO reached out to me. Uh, I was going to ask, are you, I, do you I, have I, any intentions of joining that? No, <laughs> I like I said, I don't even sell merchandise, dude. I don't even have fucking T-shirts. I, 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 I'm very anti like the the whole thing. I don't know. I just I'm not good at it. I guess, but I didn't respond. <laughs> you don't you don't awkward you don't awkwardly want to read happy birthday messages for five bucks. No, that is the worst. I don't understand the appeal. Don't act guess, like you're above money. it, Hans. Hans, you know if we ever I, get a modicum of success, you're going to be on Cameo within 48 hours. 100%. Oh, 100%. But <laughs> if I if I had a name, if I was someone, if I had a career that's other than me being a shithead on YouTube, then <laughs> I wouldn't do it. But yeah, of course. I, I would say happy birthday to someone's grandma. I don't care. Now, I what think... grandma would want me to say happy birthday to her? I don't know. Can we but, start offering yeah, that through, do... through the website or something? <laughs> we don't even need Cameo. You could just do that. Yeah. I think my thing is I would do it, but I don't want to get paid. There's something about it that feels weird to me yeah. of being like, pay me to, to wish you. I don't know. It's just, okay. it's, yeah. Pay me to pretend that I give a shit about yeah. that person. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. All right, Chris. Uh, we're, we're almost at the 90-minute mark with this now. Well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I'm a night owl. So. <laughs> yeah, me as well. Me as well. All right. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up the show there. More people know about you than us, so I don't think you really need to give a shout-out <laughs> to your channel or, or, or anything like that. But uh, I just want to say uh, thank you for hopping on and having a real conversation with myself honestly it was it was cool man uh i i genuinely appreciate it if you ever want me to come on in the future just ask i'll do it thank you man all right awesome uh have a good night and um hope your wife feels better and hopefully (laughs) everybody feels better with with the virus out there wear your masks and wash your hands (laughs) all right that has been movies for this week thank you for listening